Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Jennifer. And I'm your co-host, Holly. Today, we'll be discussing the importance of encouraging independence in your children. But before we get to that, today is a very special day. It's the three-year anniversary of the Happy Homeschooler podcast. Woohoo! Yay! (laughs) Yay. (laughs) It's hard to believe it's been three years. A lot has happened. That is for sure. I actually started with the podcast in 2019 um, before we changed the name to the Happy Homeschooler podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm a pre-pandemic host. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I would drive over to your house when I started and I did not go back and check how many we did before we started doing it remotely. But um Sure has been a lot of changes in the world. Did in the you last guys, three years. I don't even know this, but did you start doing it remotely because of COVID? Probably in part, but I think that we had some things going on where we couldn't get together. Yeah, I didn't know. But the main part, it was a big part of that though. Like everything mm-hmm. shut down. There were so many things nobody knew about. Everything, everything. was up right. in the air. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? And then, I was just going to say, uh, the last time you came over before we started recording remotely, so I don't think Jennifer knows this, but I said to Melody, hey, uh, while you're here, will you cut my hair? Just cut the bottom off Because <laughs> I didn't trust my husband to you do it. Because <laughs> I was like, we probably won't be going that. anywhere for a while. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> podcast recording and a haircut. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how you know you're good friends with your co-host. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> with a pair of scissors. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't trust my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have absolutely, I haven't been here the whole time, but I have loved the time I've been here with y'all. And I'm just, it's exciting that it's been three years. That's incredible. It's been, I, you know, I, I love everything that you've brought to the podcast. Your unschooler lens, I think, has helped (laughs) all of us really to look at our own homeschooling in a different way and give ourselves a little more freedom in how we educate our kids. So I I really appreciate that. I love that we're all different and that we've done it differently, even though we have we have some similar, you know, families (laughs) between Mm -hmm. us, Um, but we all do it differently. And I think that's such a, a great asset to this podcast and to our listeners. And one of the things I'm really proud of the podcast as we've been growing over these past three years is the depth of information we're starting to bring with our yes. different interviews. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really, I really feel like we are doing some good work um, for the homeschool community. I hope our listeners yeah. feel that way. I feel like I'm learning things when we do these interviews with other people. And I love that because I feel like that means that we are doing something. We are giving something to the community because we've all been around homeschooling a long time. And when we're learning new things, that's got to be good, right? <laughs> Oh, I agree, especially for me with a 10-year-old that I'm Mm -hmm. homeschooling. (laughs) There are a lot of things still to learn. And I think we can get jaded if we've homeschooled a long time. We're like, oh, I heard that. I did that. But there is a lot to learn along the way, no matter where you are in your homeschool journey. All right. I'm so excited that to learn about so many new resources that weren't around when I was actively homeschooling and just things that I don't know are out there. So I love that we're finding new things to share with our listeners. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the next year, the next two, the next three years. Me too. All right, well, let's get into our topic today. Homeschooling parents, Ben, we spend a lot of time with our kids. And so sometimes we make all the decisions and we forget that part of growing up is us letting go and kids taking on more independence. So let's talk a little bit about 
what's good and what's, you know, something to watch out for, what's bad maybe about being so um, around each other all the time. Like sometimes if we're homeschooling, that's kind of one of the myths. People think you never go out and do anything, but right. the truth is we do go out all the time, but let's talk a little bit about that. Getting to spend so much time with your kids is such, such a wonderful thing. There's so many good parts to it, but like we, we have talked about how, you know, moms and dads need a break once in a while or need independence, need time for our own hobbies and things that we're doing. And our kids also all need that time. And sometimes I think we forget that in our day-to-day lives. That's a good point. If we all spend all day, every day together, we lose out on some opportunities Mm -hmm. that we could be taking advantage of. This summer, my son has been fortunate to go to a lot of different camps and I've been happy for him to go. He has gone to like vacation Bible schools that are three hours in the morning, another one that's three hours in the evening. He went to um, a thing that our sheriff department has called junior deputy camp where he was gone from nine to four. And mm-hmm. it's really fun to pick him up. And sometimes he's too tired to tell me at the time you know, <laughs> about what he's been doing. But it gives him some excitement and some new people and some new skills. I i mean, I don't know anything about SWAT standoffs, but yeah. he learned that at, at junior deputy camp. I don't know how to fingerprint people. He learned some things. He got to do some things that it would be hard for me to replicate at home. And while he was away, I was at home working or doing some yoga or doing some things that it's harder for me to do when he's at home. And so I think we both really benefited and will continue to benefit. He's got some more camps the rest of the summer from him going out and, you know, learning to speak up for himself and interact with other people without me standing there running interference. Um, And it's good for me to find safe outlets for him, safe places for him to go mm-hmm. where he can have these experiences and I can be at home, you know, just relaxing from the rigors of being a mom. Being a mom is a great blessing, but it's also nice to have a little break every so often. So I think that sometimes homeschool parents want to be super involved in everything their kids are doing because maybe they brought them home from a public school situation where they felt like they just didn't know what was going on. You know, they want to be there and be their kids advocate and understand like everything the kids are doing. So I think it comes from, I think that sometimes that wanting to be extremely involved in everything your kid's doing comes from a place of really caring about your kid and wanting to make sure that they're safe and Mm -hmm. that you can help them with situations. But there's two sides to any coin, right? So if you're super involved all the time, constantly, constantly, and your kids never get a chance to um, have skills of their own to speak up for themselves, then, you know, when they get to be older, they have trouble expressing themselves. I've been reading about teenagers who can't make a phone call Mm -hmm. because they have not been asked to make a phone call or given the opportunity. When my son was going to vacation Bible schools and stuff, you know, you go in and they ask the kid's name and they give them the little name tag or whatever. I said, you tell them who you are. You know, you know who you are. You tell them who you are. Because I want him to gain these skills so that he can speak up for himself and have a successful life. You know, like I could do it for him and there's Mm -hmm. nothing really wrong with that. He's only 10. But why not help your kids to gain skills as soon as they can? Right. Rather than hold back and hold them back until they're so old that it becomes harder and more nerve wracking for them. 
Well, that's a perfect example of, of mm-hmm. letting them gain independence by degrees. Just here a little in there, like they can fill out the registration form. It takes longer and we would have to take the form and go sit down somewhere and give them time. But right. then they learned how to fill out those things and then hand it back and like, If you're looking for little ways to let them do things on their own, they become more and more able to do things and then you let them do more. And And their confidence grows. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what, yes, their confidence grows. And then you're also watching them know how to do things you can trust that they're going to be able to take care of themselves. Well, and a lot of society is set up to expect parents to do all these things. We had an experience where Liam had an earache and we went to the pediatrician and the doctor says to me, well, whatever, whatever, how is he feeling? How's I said, he's right here. (laughs) Ask Um, him. Yeah. Ask him. He will tell you if he doesn't know, I'll help fill in. And the doctor looked at me like, don't you want to be the mom? (laughs) So I think society makes us feel like that is also what we're supposed to do. Right. That we're supposed to, you know, be the mouthpiece for our kids and be with our mm-hmm. kids every minute of the day. You hear about people who their child was playing in their front yard and the neighbor called the police. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. The child was in his own yard. Right. But society has these different expectations of what it means to parent your child. Right. Um, and so I think that sometimes that's why we are in that. We're hesitant. Oh, yeah. We're hesitant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we think society will look at us as parents, like, what's your problem? Do your job. And our job is to teach our children to be competent and independent. Right. I've been in that situation where my kids, we live about a mile away from a park. Uh, We live in a neighborhood and then there's a park on the outside of the neighborhood. And I let my kids walk to the park for years and years. They've walked to the park, not by themselves, but in pairs or whatever, together with a friend. They walk from our house to the park. And uh, one day a lady driving by called the police on them because they were probably like 10 and 12 at the time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) And she called the police. And the reason she actually called the police is because they were not in school and they were out without an adult. That was what she reported them for. And I understand as homeschoolers that this does sometimes come up. I've dealt with it a couple of times. It's not the end of the world. So if that's something you're worried about happening, I'll just say that it might happen and it's not that bad because guess what? We're we're legally homeschooling and your kids can legally walk to the park and it's okay. You know, even if that does come up, it's, it's not that horrible. You can, you know, just explain that we homeschool and my kids are going to the park and it's okay. And I allowed them and I gave them permission and that's where they are. I know some parents, homeschooling parents provide their kids with an ID card. I've printed out some, I'm trying to remember there's a a website. uh, I have to look it up, but there's a website where you can go and print out an ID card for free. And my son Mm -hmm. has had one in his wallet. He likes that. Um, Having an ID card seems like a big deal to him. But you should prepare your children if you're going to allow them to go together. Like somebody may call. And if a police officer comes and asks you what you're doing, you know, but yeah, as long as as you're complying with the laws. Now, some places do have truancy laws and you have to know what that means if your kids are out in public in that situation. In that same exact instance, I left this part out, but the lady who called the police initially asked the boys to get in the car with her so she <gasps> could take them home. And they oh, told her they told her no. So That's again, so those are some of the things that we are worried about as parents that someone will, you know, ask your kids to get in a car and your kids are going to get in the car, you know? So those are the things you talk to your kids about and teach them, you know, you don't go with strangers, you don't, you know, the teaching them those things is Mm -hmm. important. 
too. Yeah, junior deputy camp, they talked to the kids about that. And they said Mm -hmm. that um, you should have a code word that only the people who are allowed to pick up your kids will know. And the kids will know it. And so that if somebody comes and says, your mom said to come get in the car, they'll know Mm -hmm. for sure. And that's right. So there are there are resources you can use if that is a concern you have, if you're worried about what might happen if you allow your kids to go somewhere. And of course, one of the primary things is to let them go in groups because, you know, it's harder to to do anything with a group of kids. We all know this. (laughs) is somewhat unwieldy. So so I think people are overprotective because they're worried about what society will say. Mm -hmm. And then there are other reasons they're overprotective. Maybe they have personal thing that happened to them Mm -hmm. or they know something that happened to someone. That's their anxiety issue. And, you know, if that's an issue for you, you certainly don't want to give that to your children. Make it an issue for them, yes. Yeah, so then there are resources for you as parents if that's an issue mm-hmm. um, because it is it is really good, really good for your kids to have some independence and confidence and to learn how to get around in the world. I think another thing right. that sometimes parents are concerned about is the way their kids will behave if they're not there. I've actually had a lot of parents say this to me for things like co-op classes. We we run co-op classes and they, the classes that I'm involved with, they are drop-off classes. So the parents don't stay. And that's been over several years of seeing how this works that we've come to the decision that parents don't stay at the class because the kids did much better when the parents stepped away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were more responsive. They were more interactive in the classroom. They weren't... Uh, they were more likely to speak up and be involved in the class when their parents were not in the class with them. We also had the problem that parents stayed and talked and interrupted class. So oh, there were several, yeah, there were several reasons helpful. that we came to the conclusion that it worked better without the parents in the class. But even after years of doing it, we've every year we have some parents that demand that they get to sit in in class while we're doing class and we have to tell them no. And they've several times told me that their concern is how their kid's going to behave in class and they want to be there to make sure their child behaves. And I'm just, that's, that shouldn't be a concern for you. Generally, kids behave well when they're not around their parents. But even if they don't, the teachers or instructors know how to handle it. Exactly. And you can yeah. trust you can trust those teachers that they'll tell. You can trust right. that the teachers will let you know we'll speak if, it's to you a if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also it, it it is a good opportunity for children to learn to respect other adults and to yeah. follow yes. other people's instruction. And that's a skill you need to learn. You're gonna need it if you go take classes somewhere, you know, like someone right. else is in charge. This is the way we're doing it here. Maybe that's not the way you do it at home. Mm-hmm. And just that opportunity to be around other kids doing things with other different ideas and learning mm-hmm. how to get along with people. It's really valid to take that time like out in the <laughs> somewhere out in community. Like there were yeah. times when like some of my daughters took dance. It's like that's a drop off program. And that lady was amazing because she had, I don't know how many little girls, all, <laughs> yeah. you know, teaching them all these things. And like we parents could she had a space if you were sitting in the back, but the kids couldn't really see you. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much please stay in the waiting room out of our out of sight out of mind kind of a thing and uh it really worked and so it's like well 
I did not stay. I had things to do and I knew she yeah. would be fine. But that was the other part. I knew she would be fine. Um, I trusted the teacher. I trusted the security, if you will, mm-hmm. of the place. And anybody who's in charge of children wants them to be safe and is careful about things like that. So part of it has to do with knowing the people that you're entrusting your children to for that mm-hmm. hour or however long. Yeah, they they shouldn't have a problem you know, providing you with references or if they hold certifications or anything like that. If there's someone who doesn't want to do that, then obviously you wouldn't leave your kids there. Some people are <laughs> yes. are worried that that's their a good kids, point. And so I think some people are also worried that their children won't behave unless they are looking at them. Yes. Um, you know, if your child can't behave when they're away from you, sticking to them like glue isn't really isn't helping. the solution. No, no. Right. at some you point know, you they will to, be away from you. <laughs> right. You, you need to work on some other things at home. Yeah. And I think so with my kids, I've always felt like I follow the basic rule of I trust them until they prove me wrong. So for mm-hmm. my kids, that's always mm-hmm. the rule for me. So I let them try things independently. I let them make mistakes. This is a great way to let your kids make mistakes because when they're with you all the time, they're less likely to have those experiences, you know? So when they're more independent and doing things without you by their side, they're going to sometimes make mistakes. And then seeing how your kids handle those mistakes and what they learn from them is really valuable. But I, yeah, I definitely feel like you need to trust that your children will behave until otherwise, until something happens. And then you deal with that and address that. I always think, oh, you know, my kid might, with their little bit of freedom, they might push the boundaries or whatever, sure. but that's okay. Yes. It's, it's good and it's healthy. It's, mm-hmm. And those are learning opportunities for everyone. Kids learn, okay, when I when I did that thing and it upset the kid next to me, you know, I, I learned that that hurts people's feelings. <laughs> right. I, right. I learned that maybe my words weren't, that what I thought I said and how people heard it were different, you know, like, yeah. Learning how to get along with other people is a lifelong skill set you have to develop. You can't start developing it too early. No, and you can't, and they cannot really do that with you standing there telling them how to react. Right. They need to be able to make, you know, those decisions on their own and figure it out more organically. And this even mm-hmm. goes to like people who are, you know, scared to let their kids, you know, run with a stick at the park and that kind of stuff. It <laughs> even comes down to those little basic things that yeah. you need to step back a little bit and just give them that room to figure these things out on their own. One time when my yeah. my middle kid was oh like two and a half, I was pregnant with my fifth child and my middle son had a habit of climbing to the top of this structure mm-hmm. at a park we visited and then wanting help. And I said, you know, when we get to the park, yeah. if you go up there, I'm not going to help you. I was right. hugely pregnant. I'm not going to help <laughs> you. I've told you about this many times. So he climbed to the top. Of course, he's like, mommy, mommy. And I said, I'm sorry, you have to get down by yourself. And collectively, the group of mothers turned and looked at me with a death rate. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we talked about this. And if he can get up there, he can get down. He can get down. And, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. later, he got down not very long after. And you could tell he was really proud of himself. Yeah. Well, why would I want to take that away right. from him? It's just like when they're little and they're first starting to walk and they're first taking those little steps. If you never let go of their hand and let them give it a try, they're not going to it's going to take them longer. To That's learn exactly like how to, to walk and move around. And um, yep. I've seen new parents, especially like with their first, that are so afraid they're going to get hurt. But thankfully, they're very close to the ground. They don't fall very far. Mm-hmm. It's like, let let your little guy try to walk. But they 
were afraid he would get hurt. And so mm-hmm. um, in some cases I've seen like it just took that one a little bit longer. And you have to be af- careful not to make your like make your child be also afraid that they're going to yeah. get hurt when they're really going to be fine. That's a great analogy because that goes all the way through until they're young adults. Because like I have new drivers in my house. It makes me anxious <laughs> when I send them yes. off in a car. Of course it makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. But I also need them to do that and they need to do that and they need to do it independently without me sitting next to them. And this last week, for the first time, one of my teenagers drove for himself and four friends into Austin to go do something. And all of us parents were like, oh, they're all going into Austin together. You know, we, it, all of us were nervous, but we knew right. that this is until they there prove us wrong to need to do these things. Yeah. Well, now, there did you track the them with time. an app? So did I do, you? I do actually have a well, <laughs> shared iPhone so I can track wherever they are, but my kids are all really good about texting me also. I mean, I have, you know, they're supposed to text when they arrive somewhere and text when they leave. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of years for driving, I, I have them do that. And they're all really good about yeah. it. They respect that and do it. But I do, I do have them tracked if I need to know where they are, but I don't use it to spy on them or anything. Yeah, <laughs> they, I, I think they track me right. more often than I track them. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> when my niece got her driver's license, she would come out and pick up my daughter after she'd been driving long enough where I was like, okay, I, I you, you can take my daughter in your car. But she wasn't being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, um, she was dishonest with her mom. Yeah. And, and then, you know, her mom was really upset. And I said, here's the thing. If your kids never have an opportunity to do something wrong, if you're watching them constantly all the time, mm-hmm. that's just so bad. Like mm-hmm. they need to have an opportunity to they do. come to that, you know, choice between good and evil, so to speak, and then make their <laughs> choice. And then hopefully, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't get too far down the road making bad decisions and you can help them to correct that. But yeah. they have people have to have an opportunity to make their own choices. Yes. So we have to trust them. We have to trust other people. Mm hmm. It's hard. Right. It, it is it hard, is, yeah, but it's important. It is. It's important. And if we we are in a community and we get to where we know people, then we can be more comfortable with leaving our kids in their charge. And, you know, like you were saying, kids have to have the opportunity to choose to do the right thing because it's the right thing and not because mom is watching me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My mother always used to say, you know, be sure she would find out. And she always did. And so. <laughs> Somehow, moms know, but given the chance, you know, if expect if you expect and they know that you believe in them, that they're going to do the right thing, they they do tend to choose that. And this is how they learn who they are, too. Uh, you know, this is how they develop their own autonomy and their personality mm-hmm. and and who they're going to be as they get older. And and all these little moments from the, you know, little climbing the thing at the playground to the driving into Austin thing, all those small things add up to them being able to leave your home when they're ready and and being independent, truly independent of you out in the world and being successful with it. And then they choose to come back for like 4th of July, like we talked about. Yes. <laughs> you know, they choose to come back. But kids whose parents are um, really strict and really um, oh, they overbearing. Just, overbearing. Yeah. yeah they, those are the parents who have the sad experience of their kids leaving home early and then maybe not really having a relationship with them. And mm-hmm. I know I think that parents were very well-meaning. 
Yeah, they they didn't know that was going to be the result. Yeah, and, so and I you know what's that old saying: if you love something, let it go. If it comes mm-hmm. back to you, as sure as if it doesn't, it never was. That's kind of you know like a little '70s catchphrase or something. But, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> but it, it is there is an element of truth in yeah. it. Yeah, and I I just think as homeschool parents, we need to recognize that that does start early on, and because we're in a situation where we are naturally with our children all day, that we have to take steps to make efforts and mm-hmm. find find the opportunities to, you know, drop your child off somewhere or go let them do something independent or, you know, obviously within your comfort zone and your and your safety guidelines. Yeah. But really, you have to seek out those opportunities, even when they're little. It's so nice now that you can have a phone that your child has with them. So yes. there's a way to get a hold of them. When I was mm-hmm. a kid, like my cousin and I, we rode our bikes over to the store and shopped a little bit and came back. And if they just knew we would come, hope we would come back. But there wasn't any way to get a hold of us while we were mm-hmm. gone. And so at least now there is a way, you know, like you yeah. can track them if you needed to. Um, little things like you mentioned earlier, call when you get there, call when you leave to come home. I mean, you you build in those ways that you just would do anyway. Like if you were somewhere and you had roommates, you're like, hey, I'm going to be, you know, out for this evening, but I'll be back later. You just let mm-hmm. people know so you can keep tabs on each other. Yeah, I think phones have been great for that. Safe. We have like we went on a field trip to a museum one time and we had a, a bunch of young teenagers with us. And, you know, they wanted to explore by themselves, but it, it was so easy because we're like, well, you all have your phones. So go ahead. You know, it was it was easy to do because we had those technology, you know, resources we an- to connect with each other. Yeah, that is great. We use an old technology um, when we go to a park or something. We bring walkie-talkies. Yes, those are and great. Yeah, Liam <laughs> can go with a friend, and mm-hmm. I keep a walkie-talkie, and then you know we'll just check in from time to time. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. He checks in with me more than I check in with him. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but um, that I has really that. been helpful to have a good set of walkie-talkies for when like we're going on hikes or. Mm-hmm. We're at a park that has some place where the kids want to go off and explore, like they want to go to the other side of a big pond or something. So you don't have to have a phone. Summer has come at last. During the warm months, I'd rather be sitting at the beach than stuck inside making high school transcripts by hand. Oh, that's the worst. I had to make my children's transcripts by hand in my day. Thankfully, these days, there's Transcript Maker. I'm not math phobic, but the time it took to calculate grade point averages was ridiculous. The Transcript Maker, you just plug your courses and grades into the template, and the GPA appears like magic. I've got a few kids. Well, maybe more than a few. <laughs> and with Transcript Maker, I was able to have multiple transcripts in my account at one time. And with so many kids, it made organization a breeze. All my transcripts were held in the cloud, safe and sound and easy to access whenever and wherever I needed to. Well, I love a good deal. I love saving money and getting discounts. And Transcript Maker is perfect for that. They offer a 14-day free trial, so you can give it a test drive and see how you like it. And for our listeners, you can get 20% off the cost of your subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Don't wait until the last minute. Enjoy your summer better by using Transcript Maker. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. So now that we've discussed why it's good to have an independent child, let's discuss how you can encourage that independence. I know like for some of my children were naturally really independent. Some needed a little encouragement. What kind of ideas can you share from your experience? I was going to say you can start actually in your home. Um, Yes. So my son has chores he's supposed to do every day. 
I don't stand there and watch him do the chores. Mm -hmm. I'll write a list. He likes me to write a list. It really bothers him if I say, do this. And I tell him a few minutes later, do that, do this, that. So we Mm -hmm. write a list and then I'll be like, okay, well, here's the list. And it's his job to get it done. And I don't micromanage that. Right. So um, he knows like, you know, if he wants to have his screen time, he's got to get his chores done you know, before that time Mm -hmm. of the day when he's allowed to have screen time, but I don't micromanage that. And that is a small step that you can take inside your house. Um, Along that lines, I also say in your home, you, you want to set them up to be independent learners as much as possible for later on. And that's another way you can use things like daily schedules, checklists, allowing your kids to decide some of their schedule and things like that so that you aren't telling them, okay, now it's time for math or now it's time for you to do this and that. And they have more independence in getting their work done. And that will really help them later on with learning as well. We have a thing that we do. My my son doesn't like it that much, Um, but I feel like it's important. So on Saturday, we get the calendar out. Mm-hmm. And he has, he's allowed to have three computer days a week. Um, he's allowed to have, we can eat dinner in the living room while, uh, watch TV while we eat dinner two days a week. He gets to choose those. That's great. Um, yeah. And he, and we put it on his calendar, but this week he tried to scam me. So he, uh, <laughs> we had written it on and the calendar and marker. And then later on he went and put a C in pen for computer day. And I was like, that isn't accurate. So now he's going to get to learn a new skill. He's going to get to learn how to put his things in my Google calendar. And then he's not going to be able to change skill. it and try to scam me. He does do some reading on his own. I'll say, okay, um, here's the selection for say geography. Uh, go read this while I go do yeah. something else and then you can report to me. You know, so the caveat is know your kids. And if you have an only yes, child, be aware, absolutely. Yeah. they will be mm-hmm. independent in a slightly different way than if you have yes. a household full of kids who all yes. want to get away from That's you true. and each other. And even all my kids were different when they were little and we did more structured school. Uh, I We did have a checklist, but it was like for the week of what they needed to get done. Some of my kids would do it all Monday morning in two hours and be done for the week, you know, <laughs> and some of them would stretch right. it out, do one thing each day. <laughs> so, but they got to make those choices. And as long as they mm-hmm. all, you know, had it done by the end of week, we were good. Yeah, well, this, you bring up a good point that let them know what you expect. A lot of times yes. we forget to tell them this is the here's the expectation. Get yes. there however you like. But by this time of the day, this much needs to be done or be through with all of this by the end of the week. If you need help, come get me. Yeah, that's you a great tool for us as parents to encourage independence. Uh, that's an easy way to do it. Giving them an expectation instead of telling them how to do it. Right. Well, and like sometimes like as far as cleaning up the kitchen, I'm like, no, I don't want you to wait till the end of the day to do everything. I don't want to look <laughs> at it like that all day long. So just to let them know, you know, if you're if you have breakfast duty, then have it done by so and so time so you can go mm-hmm. and get on with the rest of the day and they'll let them know, like, I want the Holly often has said one time is not as good as another. That's true. Yeah. Get these jobs done in this time window. And then I want this stuff done by lunch, which was also training. Here's how to take a chunk of work and and spread it out so that it's not odious. You can do just a little bit at a time and then still have free time. Because if you're Mm -hmm. still messing around with your chores at free time, guess what you're going to be doing? chores (laughs) like if you want your free time you know you can have more free time if you get finished earlier Mm -hmm. so there was always like a reward for being diligent about it it was just like its own reward because then Mm -hmm. you've got to do more things but we do have to let them know what we expect can't get mad at somebody if you didn't tell them what the goal was right right 
So that's the first step, you know, of some independence is within the things that they're expected to do within the home. Yeah. Um, so that's a first step. But we're we're talking about getting out of the house away and from letting us. them yes. away from mm-hmm. us. Um, so we actually um, we've had been having a fantastic summer and. My son has had so many opportunities to do things independently. And one of the biggest uh, and best helpers in that has been the library. That's great. They have been having amazing classes. Lots of programs, yeah. Lots of programs that the kids just go in. So um, on Wednesday night, they have chess for age four to 99. But my friend and I signed up the kids. We talked to them. Do you want to do chess? They were like, Mm -hmm. okay, we'll do chess. So they go in and do chess, and then there's some activity for um, adults. Uh, last night there wasn't, so my friend and I walked, and then we sat and had it. You know, sat and had a chat. We had mm-hmm. mom's night out, kind of. Yeah. Um, oh, we were in the nice. same building, but not with our kids. Yeah. And you know, they they had to go in and they had to meet other people and play chess against people they didn't know, not just with yeah. each other. And it's been really good. These library programs, you know, the price is definitely right. Yes. It's a safe <laughs> place with people mm-hmm. who have all been background checked and there's. Yeah. So and it's a good a middle really... ground for parents mm-hmm. because you can stay in the library while they're doing these activities. So you're close mm-hmm. by, mm-hmm. but not necessarily over their shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. We came in from walking because it, it did get a little hot and we sat down. And a few moments later, our kids started walking and they came walking out of chess and they were heading to where we weren't sure where. And we, I waited a minute, and then I was like, hey. And my sister, I'm like, uh, what's up? And he goes, I'm just going to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, well, be sure you go back to your chess class where you're supposed to be. That is the one thing, like the people who are doing the class, they are not. They're not babysitters. The yeah. They're not, yeah, so they're not like, hey, you're not allowed to leave. Right. You know, um, <laughs> but I did see parents pulling up and ha- and the kids getting out of a car. Yeah. And parents going to do something else. So, you know, yeah. so. There were parents that were good about, you know, letting their kids get in there and do something. Homeschool park days are also another good kind of middle ground because in my experience with park days, anyways, the par- I stay, I'm at the park with my mm-hmm. kids, but the parents usually sit around and chat with one another and mm-hmm. visit and spend that mm-hmm. time talking with each other while the kids go off and play independently. And I, I think it's a really nice middle ground for people who are uncomfortable with maybe dropping off their child somewhere. Yeah. But I will say that I have seen some parents at park days who follow their children around or, you know, don't let them ever get more than like five feet away from them at the park. Um, so I would caution that, you know, take advantage of that situation and do back up a little bit and chat with people and, and let your kids go and play. And if somebody gets hurt, they're going to come to you. You know, if something mm-hmm. happens, all these parents there. And if gonna... they need, yeah, if they need help, they'll come get help. And, you yeah. know, we often think of peer pressure as like a really negative thing, but sometimes it's a really positive thing because mm-hmm. you have a group of kids that are getting along somebody else is acting horsey and and the kids will say hey cut that out yes you're ruining the mm-hmm. fun yeah so they're helping each other behave more you know more in a more friendly way yes. a more cooperative way and there when are we, sometimes disagreements happen at park days between kids and again if if the parents can stay out of it you know obviously keep an eye so that nothing escalate, but letting them figure out those yeah. conflicts is good 
Yeah, we had a rule that the parents, uh, my friends and I, when my other kids were homeschooling at Park, they was a 20-foot rule. It was like, kids, don't come yes. within 20 feet of yes. us. Yes. Go. <laughs> Go away. Go play yep. with the other This is kids. your time to play, my time to visit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think we went to Park Day more for me than for the kids sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But that's another advantage to it that maybe you weren't at the time thinking is that they, your kids were gaining independence skills while mm-hmm. while they were there, too. Well, we've been using all kinds of different um, resources for for Liam to help him have things to do and give me some, you know, give us each time away from each other. So he's been, like I said, he went to vacation Bible school. He went to the junior deputy academy. He's going to day camps, drama kid camp he's going to. He had um, all these library classes mm-hmm. and he's really um, thrived with it. You know, I think it's been really good for him to see how other people behave, which helps your kids yes. to appreciate you more. You know, sometimes we're yes. like, oh, it does. It really I does. talked to Bobby and his family makes they only week. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not so awful, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's good for them to see how other people, uh, you know, other people are. Well, and actually that brings me to one of the things I was going to say is, you know, when you do make friends with other adults that you trust, you should drop your kids off to, for play dates sometimes at other people's homes. It's great because it gives them that independence, but they're also with a parent that you trust at the house. Mm-hmm. And they are seeing the dynamics of another family and another home, and they learn a lot from that. Yeah, I always uh, like to invite other people's kids to come over and play with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We were always the house that was the hub. Yeah, yeah. It was very amusing to me, some of the things that kids would tell me about. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, there are no <laughs> secrets. If you do not want anybody to know something, you can never speak about it in front of your so child. true. There are no secrets. Um, but, yeah, you know, it is It is really good for kids to, to understand that, you know, in some families, they drink sodas with dinner. And in some families, yes. they don't eat meat. And in some, and everybody, it's all valid choices. Just because yeah. it's not what you do, it's still okay, you know. Yes, and that's a thing that you as a parent important. also have to let go, that you know when you're sending your child to hang out at somebody else's house, they're not going to necessarily have all your same rules. Or well, when I send my child to his TV. grandmother's house. Yes, yes, and you have <laughs> to just get, you need to let go of some of that. Yeah, my mother-in-law was so adorable. One time I, um, my, we were at their house, but I wasn't like in the same room. I was. I think I was doing laundry and my daughter comes out to show me she has cookies. I'm like, you got cookies. <laughs> and so I'm joking with my mother. I'm like, Oh, I see that Ashley has cookies. She goes, yeah, well I had some yogurt, but I didn't know if that was okay. <laughs> okay. You didn't know yogurt was okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, she can eat yogurt and she can have a couple cookies. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, you. you have to you have to give up some control, but nothing is going to get ruined, you know, no. in an hour. Or two. <laughs> no. And you mentioned a lot no. of like day camps and things like that, but there's also and church things, library things, scouting and other. I think we're going to have a, a episode on civic organizations later on, but things like scout organizations are great for this because you're sending them somewhere where they're learning something, they're being social, they have leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a lot of new experiences and you don't have to be there with them for any of that. I was just saying my daughter who did scouting got to meet a lot of 
people that she wouldn't have met otherwise because mm-hmm. everybody else was a public in public yeah. school. Yeah. And she was the only homeschool kiddo in that group, but she made some really good friends. She's still friends with some of those girls. Some of them moved away and, you know, you don't always get to keep track of each other, but it's been lasting friendships were formed in that scout group. Plus they were learning all kinds of things mm-hmm. and they went camping and they went on trips and they did all sorts of things that, um, were really beneficial for her. And then she was very independent anyway, but she really grew into responsibility from yes. being scouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say um, my daughter was real active, my middle daughter, real active in um, 4-H. Mm-hmm. And what I love about some of those organizations and some of the the other programs that I've talked about that my son's been doing is that they are not only homeschoolers. And even though we're homeschoolers and we've chosen this learning lifestyle, other choices, uh, educational choices people make are equally as valid. And I think it's really good for our children to be around kids that go to, you know, charter school or go to public school or whatever other type of uh, learning environment they're in so that our kids, you know, they don't get kind of an air of superiority about how they're being educated. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes, um, because we love homeschooling so much, I think sometimes our kids get the idea that it's superior yeah. to other choices. And, you know, every family has their own needs and requirements. So mm-hmm. I, I really like it that my son, uh, he was playing basketball earlier this year on the city league. So that was kids from mm-hmm. public school and private school and homeschool. Yeah. And I loved that, had that he got to have that experience and yeah. meet people who had different lives than, than he does. Mm-hmm. As homeschoolers, another great way to encourage independence is by joining co-ops or taking enrichment classes uh, or going to a one-day academy, things like that. Because especially with a co-op, you can be there and participate as a parent with other students or with helping with other things in the co-op without actually teaching your own child. And they can be learning from other people while you're also there and helping. And it's just, it's a great way to do it. You build a community with other families that can last and, you know, expand into other areas of your life, too. Right. And then your older children can be helpers in those classes or maybe even Mm -hmm. teach one, which is just another step toward, you know, being more independent, more responsible, learning how to pace a class. And actually, you know, they have a skill and they can share it with someone while they're Mm -hmm. young. It just it goes a long way in building independence. Yeah, we loved our co-op years. They were lots of fun. Here at the end of our podcast, we like to answer a big question that we've been seeing on our homeschooling groups. Jennifer, what is our question today? Today's big question comes from Jessica, who asks, how much of my kids' work should I keep for records? It's starting to pile up, and I'm only a few years in, but I don't want to let go of anything important or sentimental. What would you guys say to Jessica? Let it go. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm not I, a let it go. Yeah, person. I think the three of us vary on this one, really. I think we do. I kept, I kept things, original compositions and artwork. I would keep a year's worth of boring things like spelling and, and math. But after that, we did not keep like math workbooks or spirals because mm-hmm. we didn't really use them. We did a lot of projects, so the record of that work was in uh, like a graphic organizer or a lap book or something like that that they made. But as far as keeping every single scrap of paper, I did not have room because I have seven children. And, you know, that was taking up a lot of space. But we took a lot of pictures of things, which we kept. We did keep 
like science lab notebooks, partially because they were so interesting and the kids were, I mean, they worked so hard on them and they wanted to keep them. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of information in there, but um, when they were younger, I kept, I think in the beginning, I kept like every single drawing that they ever did and really quickly that wasn't going to work and so I learned <laughs> a representative and then you know some places you've got to turn in or show a portfolio mm-hmm. so you're going to have to keep a representative piece of work from all those different subject areas to demonstrate your learning but here I am on the other end of things now I really am purging all those things I just gave them to my kids and then watched them go through and you know toss about half of it I was like why was I keeping that how funny <laughs> um, well, so I, what do y'all keep um so I I found some things I had stored away and I've been really happy that I kept them uh, my son my oldest son, he wrote some really funny things, and I'm still delighted reading them. Right now, for my, my son that I'm homeschooling, I have the past few years of things, but I don't keep everything. I take a manila folder, file folder, and I put in, um, I think I keep all of his math, and I keep his grammar, and then um, he hasn't started writing anything yet because we're Charlotte Mason, and he's just 10. He's going to start writing narrations next year. He doesn't know this yet, so be prepared to hear about how he doesn't like it. Uh, I talked to him today about run-on sentences. He sent me a thing, and there was no periods in it anywhere. And I'm like, oh, we got to work on this. Anyway, but I do keep some things. Like I keep my teacher planner, which has a record of all the stuff we've studied. And then I write different things in it. Um, so when we had um, some different family members that passed away over the past few years, that date I wrote in there, or if someone was getting married or someone was coming to visit, um, that's in there. We, one year we did a, a really fun little weather journal and we did, took turns drawing a picture to illustrate the weather or whatever happened each day. That's in one of my folders. So that's a treasure. Um, but I like to keep a few years just because if anyone calls into question my homeschooling, I'll be able to show that, yes, I was homeschooling per the requirements of the state of Texas. So you want to be sure that you are complying with whatever the requirements are for your state. And they are different from state to state. HSLDA mm-hmm. has a nice thing where you can click on your state and you can find out what you're required right. to do. Some states so, do require record keeping. Mm-hmm, or they require um, testing or things right. like that. So you want to you want to do what your state tells you to right. do. So in Texas, we're not required to keep records or do testing. So I have kept nothing. Um, I never kept anything. Now, I will say I had like, you know, if there were pictures, I took pictures of of things they drew or painted or whatever. So I have photos of things that were special and everything they ever wrote, stories, things like that, were they're all in Google Docs everything's in Google Docs. I never clean anything out of there. So I could go find all that stuff. Are you paying for storage with Google? We have a lot of Google accounts, um, oh, okay. but they're all in there. And then things like my class plans and stuff are all in Google Docs as well. And I didn't, none of that was something I intentionally kept. I certainly wouldn't have printed it and put it in a file somewhere. I just have never felt like it was important. And I know that that issue comes up for some people when they go to college, if they need a portfolio portfolio. None of the colleges that my kids have applied to have asked for anything like that. I did have to give detailed, very detailed transcripts, but I think we've kind of discussed that here before where I I would sit down with my child and we would go through 
everything we've done and then find ways that we wanted to say that on a transcript. So I didn't really need any, any paperwork for that or files for that. And yeah, I just don't keep any of it. That is really my... handy to have it in a Google doc though. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, I think that's great. I like to go back and look through things. Um, I found a, I, I had some uh, like brown envelopes, the eight by tens or mm -hmm. nine by elevens, you know, with the little metal prong. I had mm -hmm. kept some mm -hmm. stuff from my kids in there. And when I was cleaning out, I found one. I found my middle son's, um, some of his little papers that he had done in first and second grade. I found a thing my daughter had done where we'd gone on a trip to the zoo and she'd made a little book. To me, those things are just so sweet. And it's really fun to look back on them. So for nostalgia purposes, mm -hmm. you know, like Melody said, they they kept things that the kids had made or written. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, you can't keep it all. Definitely. And kids want to keep some of their stuff. My son has a box where he kept things for a while. Um, yeah. he'd say, I want to keep that. And I go, it's getting kind of full. You want to go back? Yeah. To we, you know, so then going back to the independence, right? He gets to choose his keepsake. What goes in there. Yeah. I'm choosing we had a, uh, one of the hallways in our house when my kids were younger was our art hall. And we had, um, like shower curtain rods hung all the way across all sides of the hallway and little clothespin things on it. And that was our art hall. And so whenever they made something that they thought was special, they'd hang it in the art hall and it was full. And then at I the beginning that. of the month, at the beginning of the month, we take it all down and start over for the month. So there was a way like that we appreciated artwork and things. And then we would take pictures of it if it was important to them or if it was important to me before we threw it away. But, but we would trash it all and start over every month. That's very cool. And I'm sure you're going to have a place where your sweet little granddaughter's artwork is of going. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. If you want to support us here and help us grow, it would be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review and sharing it on social media. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, we publish our show notes on Facebook after every new episode. Next episode, we'll be interviewing an expert all about dyslexia. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Holly. Happy, Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly williams Erbal. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Why We're not even drinking so champagne. Maybe that's what I need. <laughs> <laughs>